Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. and welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Marketatomy LLC and Marketatomy Academy, your prescription for what we call OPA. So what's OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes that it'll take care of itself and you just put it off until later. So does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dana Olivo, and each week I bring business professionals eager to charge you up with what they talk about, the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So today's episode of Charged Up Studio, we've got a very special guest to us coming for all the way from Greece. Ms. Zoe Fragu is an organizational psychologist with an uh, Master's in Science in Human Resource Management, a clinical psychologist license and, and a diploma in business coaching and mentorship and a certificate in agile leadership, all of which I'm very familiar with. And that is an, a mouthful, <laughs> as well as a lot of um, talent that you bring to the table here. So alongside her academic interests, she is operating professionally in the full spectrum of her science, taking over projects of culture, transformation, employee training and development, business coaching and personal branding. She is a mentor for women on top and a feminist organization trying to bring equality into the workplace. Today, we are going to be talking about succession planning. This is something that a lot of small business owners do not take into consideration, and you will understand why as we continue with our episode this, this morning. So let's all give a very hearty, charged up studio welcome to Mrs. Zoe Fragu. Hello, Zoe. Hello, Donna. Thank you very much for having me over. It's a real honor to be here with you and discussing on serious topics that are going to help your people get to know a little more about leadership and succession and how to run their business. Right. 
Right, and I'm really glad to have you. We've been trying to, to organize this for a while and between uh, uh, computer issues and technology issues and then the hurricane Ian coming through and we finally yeah. are able to make it happen. So um, <laughs> this is a topic I've been wanting to um, present for quite a while and finding those experts who can talk to succession planning is uh, sometimes difficult to find. So I'm really glad we, we were able to uh, touch base and, and start working on this. So first of all, let's talk about what is succession planning? Can you kind of give us a brief explanation in your words, what is succession planning in a way that small business owners are gonna understand? Of course, succession planning is the official term for planning of who's one, who is going to take a leadership position when you as a leader are gone that doesn't necessarily mean of course that uh, you're dying but it, it might mean that you get retired or it might mean that for some reason you need to abandon your position or you want to pursue other opportunities or change so succession planning has to do with the organization's approach on trying to have everything solved before these things happen right exactly and you know, it's it's important that entrepreneurs understand it isn't just a matter of saying an accident happens or, you know, or something like that, because, um, I mean, a perfect example is what I went through in 2014. We talked a little bit about it, you know, where I had my own business. I was a, a single business owner and I was laid up after a serious accident in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro for almost a year, year and a half. And at that time, my business stopped. And that hurts a business, you know, it's, it's going to put you out of business if you don't have somebody who can step in and help. And that's what succession planning is all about. Really, when you think about it, is that continuous forward momentum of your business in, in spite of interruptions. Right. Yeah, especially when it comes to business owners, I would say that they usually treat their business of something on their own, which is partially true. But at the same time, uh, they have responsibility towards the people that are working for them. Therefore, when it comes to succession planning, it's not necessarily something personal, something that I need to do for myself or for the business. It's something that I also need to do for the people that have trusted me and work for me, for their families also for my clients that they need to know what's going to happen if for some reason I change my mind or I want to pursue something different. No, I absolutely love what you're saying there is we have to take into consideration more than just ourselves when we're talking about succession planning. We need to be thinking about who are those stakeholders that are going to be impacted should the business be interrupted or just halted for no reason at all. And, uh, and, and one of the things to take into consideration also, uh, based on what you've talked about, is succession planning and career planning, all right? Let's talk about how they relate to each other. Of course. Well, they are very related. And most of all, it's important to understand that the people that are working for us or with us, they also need to have something to aspire to. Therefore, an organization or a business that doesn't do any succession planning and they don't think that they're important, then usually they also don't do any career planning. That means that they don't offer a career path to the people that are working there. 
And then those people, when the time comes that they need to grow and they need to change and they need to you know, learn more things, they have to search for these opportunities outside this organization. And they have to pivot because nobody has offered them any solutions. Right, right. And, and um, it's an entire mindset, I would say. It's yeah. the entire mindset of planning and at the same, at the same time caring about uh, the, the, the good for the business, but also the good for the people that are working for this business. You know, and, and I want to add here that more than just putting a career plan in place, a, a career path for your employees, you want to take into consideration those employees and what their capabilities are. Do they have the leadership capabilities to carry on? Because you want to make sure that you are passing this company whether it be to a family member, whether it be, you know, you're going to sell the business or if it's going to be uh, somebody from within the company, you want to make sure that they're going to be able to handle the pressures that come with, you know, business ownership or CEO positions or, you know, whatever is going to be uh, involved in the succession plan. And that's not an easy task either. You know, it takes a lot of training for the employees and making sure that they're on that right path. Yeah, I would say that this is the next step. I would say that the original step and the first one is to actually for the corporation to understand that this is something important that they have to do. But most of the business owners, especially in small businesses or medium-sized businesses, they're not used at hiring managers or at training managers, at training leaders. Because, well, most of the times, it's uh, the most usual thing is that they uh, plan on passing their business to their children or to a family member, Mm -hmm. no matter their skills, no matter their education, sometimes not even, uh, no matter even their motivation to do that, Mm -hmm. or if they care, or if they want to do something else in life. And it's important to say at this moment that this is demotivating, not only for the family member, uh, but also for the other people around that might actually love the job and they might have given their soul and their loyalty into this corporation for many years. And now that the time for promotion has come, they realize that they don't stand a chance just because they don't share the same blood as a uh, business owner. And at the same time, it's very problematic for the corporation. Right. Uh, can we really trust the business that uh, when it comes to deciding who's going to lead it in the future, this decision is not really logical or pra- pragmatic, but it's mostly based on emotion and nepotism. Nepotism, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that brings me to my next question here is uh, from the employee side, okay, coming into a business where there's obvious nepotism, okay, mm-hmm. what kind of feelings does that leave that employee with? Uh, when they see that there's somebody above them that is a family member or whatever, and they're looking to get on a career track, but it's obvious to them that's not going to happen. What do you think that 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 entrepreneur should be thinking about when they bring family members in to ensure or assure their employees that there is still a career track here? Mm-hmm. Uh, for starts, since you're asking about the psychological aspect as well, uh, usually this isn't something that is stated from the beginning. That means that most of the times uh, when a person joins an organization, nobody during the recruitment process will tell them that. 
I'm also gonna uh, I'm also looking to hire my entire family and after a while if the time comes only those are gonna get promoted so this isn't something that's gonna happen right. for you so uh, there is a term that is called psychological contract so basically when an organization starts working with an employee there is um what we call the psychological contract which has nothing to do with the contract per se that we sign that has to do with the money that has to do with the benefits but it has to do with all these things that we expect to happen there psychologically. So these things might be uh, something that they've told us up front or uh, other things that they've um, used as innuendos of the, or they're implied or we figured out that they're going to happen. But then when those things don't happen, the person is actually feeling sad or even angry or that uh, their journey in this organization is futile. And as a result, then productivity also becomes less. And retention rates are also bad for organizations that have broken the psychological contract of the employees. Therefore, I would say that it's very important to state what you're planning to do from the beginning. If you already know that you're a business owner and it's a family-owned business and you don't want to change that, don't hire people telling them things like the best is going to get promoted and I really care about promoting true talent. But then you just bring your nephew in that might have nothing to do with the business. Mm -hmm. While you have this person working for you for 10 years and actually believing this is bad. So people respond much better to consistency, even if consistency, it's not necessarily something positive for them. So I would say that knowing what I have to wait and what's happening and what's the future is more important than the future per se. Right, right. In other words, don't surprise the employee after they get in and accept a position thinking that they're going to yeah. be able to, to, to scale up or, or you know, develop a career path within an organization. And then they get in and they realize that there's a family member right above them. And they're not going to be able to do anything. You know, it's it becomes obvious. You know, I've been in those situations. So do most companies have an organized succession plan in place? Not necessarily. I wouldn't say. And from my experience, I wouldn't say that's something uh, that's usual. Uh, it's more usual when it comes to multinational companies because their resources are much more. But when it comes to smaller businesses and family-owned businesses, then no. Most of the times, one day something happens. It might be a sickness, might be a divorce, might be a death. Something happens. Right. And then the business in one day uh, is in crisis. And nobody knows what to do and whom they're supposed to talk to, who is in charge. Right. So I would say that the recommendation is uh, no matter what the plan, at least there should be a plan because we're right. all human and we can't really know what's going to happen. And it's important for managers and business owners to create a plan, no matter what it is, right. and let people know upfront. In case of emergency, you contact this person and then this person should have a very specific guidelines as to what they're supposed to do. And let's talk about the difference between a succession plan and an exit strategy. Because a lot of companies <laughs> get that confused, okay? So let, why don't you explain a little bit about what the difference is? Well, the exit strategy basically has to do with the fact that when I'm gone of this uh, business, for some reason, for my reasons, I don't see that this business can continue without me. 
I don't have any plan for this business. Therefore, I need to find a way to sell it or capitalize on it and then close it and it's over. While succession planning uh, has to do with actually believing in the vision of this business and believing that this can grow bigger than you and you're okay with the fact that it might be bigger than you. Therefore, you have full confidence that other people can take this vision that has outgrown you and continue it and even make it even better and even bigger in the future. But you I still, would say that, yeah, yeah you still need that exit plan when you're doing your vision and, and your strategic plan because of the fact that you need to know where you're going. If you're going to sell it to a family member, if you're going to possibly list it, you know, uh, uh, take it public, you know, IPO it you know, whatever you're going to do, you need to have that in the back of your mind, because that's going to affect your section, your succession plan as well. Okay. Um, So I think that people, especially after uh, they've spent some years into a leadership position, they should be planning uh, for worse, because nobody has problems, because they ended up being too planned and too organized. People only get in difficult positions because of having no strategy and no plan. No strategy. Therefore, let's say that you have an exit strategy. Perfect. You should also make sure that you are, you know who's going to implement it if for some reason you're not able to implement it yourself. Therefore, if you want to have an exit strategy, it should be hand in hand with your succession planning as well. Right, exactly. So... As employees, okay, let's talk to the employee side of things. How can you determine whether a company has a succession plan in place or not? Well, I would say that they shouldn't be very discreet about it. (laughs) It shouldn't be something that the employees have to guess or question or doubt. It should be very public. And if you are a company that also owns an HR, it should be part of the process of the HR to letting people know that there is a succession plan and we know where we're going and there's a vision and there's also a career path for every one of them. And then with the HR, these people, they can also design their own careers. And that is also a combination, not only of what they're good at and what's useful for the corporation, but also their their skills and their motivation and what they like. Well, with the with the changes that have occurred in um, in in the employee employer relationship right now, as far as with COVID and stuff like that, and the employees are are really more in in control of their careers now, whereas before it was the employer. Okay, when we t- start talking about these succession plans and the uh, creative paths, the succession paths that are put in place. What are some 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 uh, things that businesses are doing that are helping with the succession planning? You know, is it training? Is it you know how are they making it more beneficial for employees and attracting more employees that way? Yeah. Uh, one of the companies that I consult in their succession planning, they even implemented the psych- psychometric test in order to assess everyone's personality and even tried to use this as a factor that will help them decide the succession planning, not just as you know the CEO of the company, but also in its department, because that's also important. When we talk about succession planning, it's not necessarily about 
if something happens to the big boss, what's going to happen? But also in every single department, there's usually a manager, there's a leader. What happens if for some reason they want to leave or they want to change? The corporation shouldn't be dependent on specific people. It should be dependent on processes. And then hire people uh, while being able to grow them and take them to the specific level that they need in order to maintain balance and harmony in the culture. And so what kind of processes are we talking about here then? There are many tools that the corporation can use when it comes to uh, their succession planning. Like I mentioned before, there are always uh, psychometric tools. Of course, there can be training, but above all, there should be a very organized recruitment process and you should have an HR business partner, an external consultant, someone who it's their job to know your culture, map your culture, help you with your culture and sift it and make it solid. And then, well, we should listen to these people as well because having them is the first step, but actually listening to our consultants is the second. And uh, I don't see why a person wouldn't follow uh, an organization's official recruitment process just because they are, for example, family, like we said before. Right. It's not necessarily something different. Uh, you know your culture, so you hire based on your culture, but also you have recruitment processes that you trust, so you follow them. And if you have consultants that you use, you should be open to listening to them, even when what they tell you is not what you expected or not necessarily what you would like them to tell you. Right, exactly. And and the succession planning, let's talk to the mental aspect or the psychological aspect when it comes to succession planning and um, career paths. You know, what is the psychological effect that it has on not only employees, but employers when they see that there's a solid process in place? The the problem is that uh, in theory, most of the people will tell you that they understand the importance of these processes and that they value and that, you know, they're very pragmatic and very business oriented and results focused. But at the same time, no one wants to deal with the fact that when they're over, nothing else is over. The problem that exists when it comes to what you just mentioned is that on the one hand, people, most of the times they will tell you that they're very business focused and results oriented and very pragmatic. But at the same time, no one wants to understand that the world isn't over just because they might be over. That doesn't necessarily mean death, but it might as well be death because, well, we do die. (laughs) It's a fact. Uh, Therefore, psychologically, for a person, it's the same as a will. You know, we were discussing it before we started the podcast, how many people they might even become like 90 years old and they don't want to have a will. And as a result, their children end up fighting because, you know, the parents didn't settle their affairs. So for many people, creating a succession planning might be as well as, you know, accepting that at one point they won't be able to run your business. And psychologically, this is hard. I understand it and I empathize, but I don't also necessarily think that someone's personal psychological situation should be more important than everyone else's psychological situation. And I also think that when you're a business owner, your responsibility, it's much bigger. 
than yourself because right. you have responsibility to so many other parties like we said right. like your employees and your clients and everyone who is uh, waiting things from you right so if uh, a business owner manages to move forward this threshold then having all of their affairs settled will be very liberating in my opinion right no i it's it's like having a will you know in place for your business basically is what it is so that when you're gone you know if that should happen there's there's yeah. no yeah it's it's also a little uh, more i would say complicated than that in the sense that a will is just something you say you sign it and then your responsibility is done but when it comes to implementing a succession strategy then uh, usually your work starts when you uh, right. write it down after that you need to make the appropriate steps to make sure that everyone is ready and everyone is notified and the people that's going to handle these after you or the person that's going to handle this department after that department manager uh, changes their job they have the appropriate training and the appropriate experience and uh, the soft skills that yeah. are going to be useful so and that's a bit of a right and that's why it's so important that this is thought of in the very beginning when you are setting up your company and strategically because you want to be able to talk about okay how am i going to scale this business how am i going to protect this business as i move forward and by doing that when you were talking about communicating the succession strategy to all the employees they're going in with open communication and understanding this you know as far as that's concerned so what are your thoughts as far as a process for helping employees um, establish that career path and for employers to be able to see what they can handle in the sense of going back to an old term that's been around for, for you know, I don't know how long, when we start talking about cross-training and things like that, you know, testing them out in different testing employees out in different positions to get a feel for you know uh, what they're capable of handling mm -hmm. what are your well, thoughts I'm not, I'm not i'm not against it i just uh i think that it they should be sure that they can when they give an actual work or job or task or responsibility to someone they should also have the patience to see through what happens many times is that an owner gives someone a task that's upgraded and then they run in the first moment this person does something that's not exactly how they imagined it or how they would do it and right. they correct them and yeah. what happens there is that you kill this person leadership uh, instincts yeah. and you kill every passion they have to grow or try new things or be creative right therefore like again it's about consistency yeah if you really are on to do that give it time and be a little patient and let people try things it's not going to be exactly as you would do it but it might be better it might be different exactly and and, and you know i understand what you're saying there as far as that's concerned if you're going to go into any kind of cross training unless you're going to do it yourself as the owner you know there's got to be somebody in a leadership position that can actually guide them through that process that they are learning that new process but there's also another side to that to where's the person that's coming in 
in the cross-training aspect can actually bring in some new ideas. Yeah, and the, the line between guidance and mentorship and patronizing, exactly. it's very, very thin. Yeah. Therefore, you need to be sure that you leave to the other person the room to explore on their own, to experiment. Yes. And we should stop you know, treating everything as life or death because not right. everything is life or death. Right. Therefore, just give the people some room. They might surprise you. So many times we hear an employer, uh, it's very, very common actually. And I, I was consulting in a business and the CEO, uh, well, he had an assistant and he didn't really like the assistant. He kept saying that, you know, she's very stupid. She can't understand anything. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't grow. The moment this girl left, she got an amazing position in another company. She got her first uh, race after four months. After six months, she even got a promotion and she's leading uh, very big accounts right now. So, and that's actually very common that people, right. they go away from one environment where they treat us. They, they treat them as if they have no experience and they don't know anything. And then they flourish in the next one. Exactly. So I think that we should make sure that they're going to flourish with us and not when they leave us. Right. No, no, definitely. And that a lot of that has to do with, with um, respect and understanding the individual, you know, and understanding um, uh, what motivates them. You know, it, it reminds me of the book, The Five Love Languages. You know, I don't know if you've read that book, but, you know, The Five Love Languages talks about, you know, those motivating factors that you grew up with. All right. What made you happy when you were very small, when your parents paid attention to you or did something? What made you really happy? You know, was it receiving gifts? Was it accolades? What, you know, what is it? That being your love language. And by understanding yeah. that, you, the other person can relate to, you know, you or whoever it is in a more respectful manner, which would encourage someone to take advantage and, and really grow. I think that people respond always to clarity. So yes. even if a person is, uh, let's say, very bad-mannered or very impolite, if they understand that this is how they are and it's not personal, and then this person is always bad-mannered and always in a bad mood, then it's not necessarily that people are not going to be okay with this person. Right. They might say, okay, you know what? This is a strange person. That's how they are. Okay, moving on. The problem starts when this person is one day the most polite person in the world and then the next day, very bad-mannered. And then the next day, he speaks in your love language and then the next day, he ignores you. Yeah. Yeah, inconsistency. Inconsistency there. And that confuses or, Yeah. Yeah. Or it lack confuses. of transparency as well. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, and uh, no, I fully agree. You know, uh, we're, we're coming up on the end of another program here, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on the psychological aspect when it comes to succession planning, you know, all around. You know, what is it that, what tips can you give us to help us understand the importance of succession planning? and why it is something that needs to be thought of very early. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that the same way you wouldn't go to sleep in the forest without having at least a sleeping bag and some food and a knife, 
The same way you shouldn't lead a business as if tomorrow won't come. And the same way you wouldn't, for example, forget to order the material you need to create your products so that you can deliver the products, uh, you should implement other supportive uh, services that they, they don't seem like you need them at that time, but they are the ones that will make a difference in the future. So I get that it might be stressful for some people because they might need to deal with psychological factors that they're not ready to deal with, like the fact that one day I might not be able to do this job that I'm doing. But at the same time, in the end of the day, stability and uh, insurance and security is very important for everyone and for our employees as well and for us as well. Yeah. And then when it comes to the employees, I would say that they should be more demanding when it comes to their future. They shouldn't necessarily leave it up to the employers. Like you said, the eras have changed and now employees are not like they used to be. They have more power in their hands. Well, they should use this power for something fruitful. Go and ask for training. Go and negotiate your position. Ask, what's, what's the next step? Do you have anything to wait? Even if you don't get a good answer or you don't get the answer that you expected that you'll get, at least you know how to plan your lives. Right, right. And, and, and I'll add to that in the sense where as an employee, if we're going to do that and fight for our position, we need to be able to back it up with, you know, with, with numbers or, you know, facts or something like that, you know, to show the importance of what you're doing. But at the same time as employees, we need to also understand, I think, and I say we in general, um, to understand that those C-levels, those, those employers or managers, they're going through the same issues that you happen to be going through. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're worried about their own careers. They're worried about, you know, as a C-level, they're worried about, okay, how do I manage this? Okay, you're coming to me with, you know, your demands or not necessarily demands, but, you know, what you feel as though you're owed. And I'm fighting not only what you want, but what the business can support, you know, and all of this other stuff. So just understand that it is, you know, I wouldn't call it a negotiation, but it's, it, like you said, transparency. Let's be transparent when we're talking and communicating. Yeah. At the same time, though, I would say that the responsibility uh, is bigger on the side of the leadership because I at do. the end of the day, they are the leaders and yep. they chose to lead and they're supposed to create the vision. Therefore, I can't be expecting a junior level employee to create the vision for the leader and to cover the lack of leadership inside yep. the organization. Yeah, no, and, and you know, I'll give you a perfect example. I used to work for a construction management company, very large international construction management company. And I was in the marketing business development strategic planning area. And this was prior to the last recession, not this one that we just came out of, all right? Oh, okay. Back in 2006, you know, 2009, that type deal. And it had gotten to a point where um, we were, I was responsible for responding to requests for proposal for different new products, new projects and things. Well, those things are very time consuming. And it had gotten to the point where the company was chasing everything. 
because it was a recession. There was more and more competition, you know, et cetera. And I was putting in 60, 70 hours a week. And I went okay. to, you know, and I had been saying something to leadership and everything. And they just weren't listening. And I talked to my husband and he says, you got to understand you're dealing with men. Okay. Mm -hmm. Put it in a presentation, present it like it's a business proposition, you know, a business. And I did that and uh, presented it to them. And then they agreed. They said, okay, we understand. We'll, we'll take care of it. We'll bring you in somebody to help you. That type deal. Mm -hmm. Well, they brought somebody in, but it was somebody completely untrained unprepared, which just added to the hours. So, you know, but what I'm saying here is there is, there is a communication level that has to happen. And as an employee, you need to understand the, uh, the means for how you're going to communicate with leadership, because not all leadership are easy to talk to. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course they're not. Yeah. So you have to understand. But you also, yeah, yeah. you also put an important angle here uh, that it is very important. That it's our responsibility to express our needs very clearly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not imply them, not think that we have expressed them, but actually verbally right. put them to words right. and make sure that the other side has understood exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, we've come to the end of another program here. And Zoe, can you, do you have any last minute tips? And can you tell us how our audience can reach you should they want to? Well, uh, yeah, of course. They should reach me through my website. It's uh, Fraguzoe or of course my LinkedIn. I'm very active there as well. So feel free to send me your questions or exchange ideas. I would be very happy to respond. And when it comes to last minute tips, since we uh, opened up the angle of open communication, I would say both for the employers and the employees that the most important thing is active listening. And listening is not the same thing as actually hearing to what the other person is saying. So less prejudice, less I know what you're going to tell me. I don't need to hear it first. And, you know, just open your ears and listen. And right. if you're not sure, ask questions, ask more questions. Make sure that you understand where the other person is okay. coming from. Okay, and how can they get a hold of you? Uh, like I said, I have a website and my LinkedIn. Okay, okay. And the website is? Fraguzoe.com. Okay, and I'll be putting all of that into the transcripts when I get the okay. website up. Okay. So that's Perfect. it. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insight into the many topics. You don't know what you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening on or visit us on YouTube or our Facebook page and leave a review there or subscribe so you won't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website chargedupstudio.live and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. Thank you once again, Zoe. 
I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Donna. All right. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.